Hello, and welcome to Psychotherapy with Dr. Afia. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. And for my fourth season, I'm speaking with folks about the politics of appearance. In this episode, we will discuss the relationship between self-esteem and hair, and our special guest is Arlette. And so she's a stylist all the way in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, there are black people there and they need their hair done. So we're going to chat today about, again, this important topic between how our hair looks and how we feel, especially when it comes to black little girls. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me in my podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Afia, for having me. (laughs) All right. So I just came off of a panel speaking about hair discrimination in the Crown Act. And so I invited people to come up and have conversations with me about beauty, about self-esteem, natural hair. And so I want to hear your unique perspective. So let's start from the beginning. How did you decide that you wanted to do hair? Well, I decided very, very young. I was a young girl uh, as in, in black communities, you usually go to dance class. So my mom sent me to dance school mm-hmm. and um uh, it was $3 a week or whatever, and I took the jazz <laughs> class, okay. you know. And so uh, back then it was Bernice Johnson's dance studio. And so at, at, while attending, they had a pro class. So I'm always like, as long as people have known me, I've always been a little what they call extra. Okay. So when I, call, <laughs> when I heard the pro class, that's the class I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So I tried out for the pro class unbeknownst to my mom and I came back and I told her I said mom I have to be in this pro class I've passed the class she says well how much is it I said twelve dollars a week Mm -hmm. she said I don't have that money Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to make it on your own so I had these dolls when I was young and I always braided hair so I decided at this young age that when I wanted to make money as my mom immediately put that in my head that I would braid hair. So at that point in time, um, it was around school time Mm -hmm. and we sat on the stoops of Brooklyn. You know, if you're from Brooklyn, that you sit (laughs) on the brownstone stoops Mm -hmm. and parents would come by and watch me braid who is now my goddaughter's hair. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, would you braid my daughter's hair for school? And I was like, yes, for 12 (laughs) bucks. Wow. Because I wanted to go to this pro class. Mm -hmm. So for 12 bucks, um, I started getting clientele. Parents was watching me sit on the stoop and braid hair. And it just blossomed into a passion, a love. And how it did was children would be so excited that the hair was just done and they looked so pretty, you know? Mm-hmm. And parents were like, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. So I didn't really know that that was my gift. But then again, my mom was a kitchen beautician. Mm. So she did the hair of families in the kitchen. Okay, you're following the, the family tradi- tradition, Abs- just taking it to the stoop. Absolutely, because <laughs> she wouldn't let anyone in the yeah. house. So we had to do it on the stoop or in the vestibule. So that started my career. And I, and when I, I educate, I tell people that I've been in business since I was 12 because mm. 
there was a trade of money. Right. And (laughs) another word for business is money sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I developed a passion. It just found me. So since 12, I've been an entrepreneur or a business person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I really want to follow up on something you said. You saw a connection between the girls who had just gotten their hair braided and self-esteem. Tell me a little bit more or how you've continued to study self-esteem. Well, I've studied self-esteem mainly because um, because I was considered an extra child. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wanted to be bothered with me. So it was like, oh my gosh, you know how Arlette is. Mm. You know, so... Internally, that affected me mm-hmm. as if I was not good enough. Really? You know, yeah, because you know how Arlette is. Uh, you know, um, I, you, you heard me earlier today say I don't need a mic. So my <laughs> mouth, my voice is strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm unapologetically um, honest. Mm-hmm. So it was, it just carried, you know, throughout my life that. People were like, no, we're not going to deal with her as a, from a young child. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, back then children were seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And if I had an opinion or I heard something that was an untruth because I knew the truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I heard the truth, they would say, oh, be quiet or something mm-hmm. like that. So it internally, um, I internalized it. Yeah. And it made me feel uh, very... Um, set aside from everyone else Mm. and I was sad for a long time even though I still have this great big personality Mm. inside of myself I was sad so when I saw other people happy it made me happy Mm. and I tried to heal through that all through my life and I can't tell you Dr. Afia how I use that to make myself esteem very very high and make heal myself Mm. but I had to do something in order to function because if not, I was just coping. Yeah. And coping for a young girl is not good because society will grab hold to you mm-hmm. and do what they want, what society wants to do with you. So I, um, I don't know, I strapped that myself, my boots, and <laughs> zipped up my boots <laughs> and tucked some of the stuff away. Mm-hmm. And so hair has always helped me... Um, heal mm. and healing others because as you said earlier the the client hairstylist relationship is almost like psychotherapy yeah. you know because we share a lot mm-hmm. and hair is the temple mm-hmm. you know and um people are judged by it yeah. people feel good surrounding it you know, um, if your hairstylist can do something amazing, even if it's not so amazing physically, they do something amazing internally mm. that make you feel good. Yeah. And so I always love to take my clients to the mirror. So when the young girls were like in the mirror, like, oh, <laughs> you know, I felt so good. And that's mm. how I helped myself heal by healing others yeah. through hair. You know, it sounds like you really put a lot of energy and intention in your work. Can you tell me a little bit about, I guess, your salon space and um, some of the things that your personal clients might share with you while they're in the chair? Oh, my goodness. 
it's a little of everything. Hmm. It's a little of everything. Um, because I'm transparent, mm-hmm. my clients are transparent. So my salon space is a personal salon. Hmm. You know, I give a personal service, which means my blinds are down. Hmm. So people, I, I'm in a salon suite. Mm-hmm. So no one can look in. Um, the area where my salon is is predominantly white. Really? So, well, you did say Phoenix. Okay. Uh, I said Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> Not just Phoenix. I said Scottsdale. <laughs> and I'm in the heart, Scottsdale and Shea. That's, that, that's like the, the most famous intersection mm-hmm. in Arizona. And it's predominantly white. Um, I wasn't afraid to, well, I'm never afraid. Or maybe I'll take that back. <laughs> I am afraid sometimes, but I never let it hold me back. Mm-hmm. Because the fear is what helps me grow, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I took a space there. I didn't know anybody when I moved there 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started this business, uh, grassroots, no money. I just stepped my foot in it. And so I created this space that was a personal space where um, black women can come and get their hair done on time. <laughs> <laughs> without anybody else around yeah. and without white people looking at them mm-hmm. and looking at us through a fishbowl mm-hmm. kind of thing like because they have a lot of questions yeah. but I also wanted black women to know that they could get their hair done in a timely manner you know very comfortable mm-hmm. and not wait all day mm-hmm. long you know, mm-hmm. so I created this space through consultation is how I do my psychotherapy mm-hmm. because I have to find out if this is my client. Mm. So you don't take everybody? I don't know. Mm. No, I only take people who could pay. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's a good philosophy. Too. Well, I, well, I've been in this industry. On, when yeah. I did the math, it's 45 years. So I've invested a lot, yeah. you know, and I have a lot to offer. And I've invested in myself, so I feel like why discount the things that I've Mm -hmm. paid money to learn? Mm -hmm. So at this point in my career, I get paid what I'm worth, Mm -hmm. and that's my class um, today. Mm -hmm. Establish yourself as an expert and get paid what you're worth. All right, Right. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that class you'll be teaching? So the class that I'm teaching, it it helps stylists um, understand... who they are and what their value is as a hair professional. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily natural hair, but why I specifically do natural hair is because that's what I do. And natural hair is usually harder to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it also, you sometimes have to help women, what do you call, um, transition Mm -hmm. to their natural hair because women for so long have worn their hair straight. So they're insecure about mm-hmm. wearing their hair natural. So, mm-hmm. um, and all of that included, there's a price for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I teach students how not to discount their prices. Mm-hmm. You know how to get raise their prices without getting a pushback. But 
in all of that, just like for your credentials as being a professor, mm-hmm. you know, you had to study. Yes, I did. So you have to study <laughs> and you have to be diligent. You have to be responsible. You have to give customer service. You have to be on time. Mm-hmm. And all of these things will equal out to your bottom line mm-hmm. being taken care of so you can come to Atlanta mm-hmm. to take my <laughs> class so that you can learn how to get paid your work. Yeah. It's all a value, mm-hmm. you know, and... All too many times, stylists feel like they have to discount their services in order to get a clientele. Mm-hmm. But if you actually talk to your your potential client, they'll pick your brain and you you could pick theirs. Mm-hmm. That's my psychology. Okay, okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if they coming in with a Louis Vuitton purse, Louis Vuitton don't go on sale. <laughs> they didn't get it for no discount. <laughs> But they went and purchased it. So to me, that lets me know they like nice things. Mm -hmm. So if they like nice things, then I'm going to be the nice thing for them on that hair care piece. And I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of from from the time they come through the door to the time they leave. Yeah, you're really talking about how to provide a high-quality service. I hear you really emphasizing um, to be on time, especially. But it sounds like in your class, you're basically coaching hairstylists to have high self-esteem, high right? Se- everything <laughs> is about the high self-esteem. Yeah. Everything is about, life is about that. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have it, you don't value yourself, you don't feel good about yourself, how could you project that to others? Mm-hmm. And how could you expect for others to make you feel good about yourself? Mm-hmm. It's called self esteem yeah. the esteem of yourself <laughs> exactly right okay, okay. Yeah, and so then I was hearing that you had a recent NPR interview mm-hmm. for a program that you're doing with girls can you tell me a little bit about that yes well it's called my hair is beautiful mm-hmm. and my hair is beautiful is my give back to the community mm-hmm. so to whom much is given much is required and I believe that so if I'm asking my community to come and be serviced by me at a certain price point, mm-hmm. then I think instead of discounting my service, I will give something back mm-hmm. to them. And I give it back in the form of um, nurturing their young girls mm-hmm. and uh, um, mentoring them okay. in some sort. So the, the workshop is called My Hair is Beautiful. Okay. I use hair as an umbrella mm-hmm. to bridge gaps mm-hmm. in society, in self-esteem, in schools, in just life period. And what I do is I inspire, educate, and empower young girls between the ages of 5 and 18 Mm -hmm. to love themselves by what they see in the mirror. Mm. And so there's a series of things that we do. There's a creed. I am beautiful. I am me. I have self-confidence. You don't define me. Mm-hmm. I am beautiful. Mm-hmm. I am free. My spirit is like the sunlight. It lives within me. Um, I am beautiful. I am me. I am my ancestors. They live within me. My name is Arlette Penda, and I am beautiful. So what they do when they shame. recite that, <laughs> they look in the mirror. So there's handheld mm-hmm. mirrors that I give mm-hmm. and um, folders, and we they recite the greatest fear poems like the greatest fear mm-hmm. um we talk about all kinds of issues um do you let people touch your hair mm. how to uh, assert yourself if you don't like it to say no thank you mm-hmm. you know or don't you know you can ask me you know can you touch my hair just don't touch me and for young girls to know that they're beautiful 
from the community, mm. not just from their parents. Yeah. So in my workshop, I also invite moms because I don't want to pour into children without their mothers mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. what I'm saying or inspiring them or empowering them. And so I invite the moms, and the moms get healing, too, Mm. because they have to participate. They don't know that they have to participate, (laughs) but I'm pretty clever in um, including them and having them engage with their children. So if their daughters are shy, then I ask the moms to come and recite the poem with them. Mm -hmm. Or we do it in groups, you know, so that they have encouragement Mm -hmm. throughout the workshop with other yeah. young girls. Yeah, it sounds like there are layers to it in terms of really working with the girls themselves and negotiating who they are, how beautiful they are, how strong they are, but then complementing it with their mothers in particular who really shapes, right, our self-esteem and sense of worth. You even talked about your mother and her shaping your career. Absolutely. Um, and then thinking about this doesn't happen in isolation, but it's a community-based Absolutely. program that... All of us need to affirm and see each other and how healing and therapeutic that is. It is. And, and you know, often so many times in the natural hair community and industry, we focus on adults hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. we do. We have insecurities. Everyone has yeah. it. Life comes for everyone. Mm-hmm. Nobody is exempt. <laughs> nope. I don't care what financial bracket you're in or anything. Life is coming for you in mm-hmm. some shape or form. But um, I don't really hear a lot of people or a lot of us being responsible to the children. Mm -hmm. And if we raise strong-minded and secure children, then we won't have to go from the top to Mm -hmm. the bottom. We're coming from the bottom up, and we're growing them up to Mm -hmm. understand. So with the anti-discrimination law and all of these things that are put in place now to be accepted in the workplace, in society, we still have to deal with the children because they're still going to get bullied. Like, Mm -hmm. people are still going to be mean. Yep. You know, so people are still going to say, oh, why do you wear those braids? They're ugly. And you would say, or I'll I'll, um, encourage a young girl to say, that's rude. Mm. You know? So call people out on it. That's just rude. Like, how, how do you stop people in their tracks by mm-hmm. saying, you know, you don't have to say, don't go on me, and you don't have to get loud. Just say, that's rude, you know, and keep on going because mm-hmm. you know that your braids are not ugly after you sat 10 hours for them. <laughs> how could they be ugly? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm trying to encourage. I try to do this workshop once a quarter in mm-hmm. Arizona, and I do it free out of my pocket. Wow. Now, that means... That I have to get a space, I have to invite the girls and their parents, Mm -hmm. and my give back is that I give them swag bags. Mm. So in the swag bags, there are um, items of responsibility. So there's deodorant, Mm. (laughs) because you can't feel confident. (laughs) Unsure. (laughs) Sure, unsure. (laughs) There's hair products, there's Mm -hmm. tissues. There's um commute like for the girls who are five and to seven, I give them jacks, mm. things that they could play. A lot of kids don't even know jacks yeah, now because everybody's holding school. a device. But I try to encourage them to be communi- to communicate and engage with one another. And so there's usually about 
I go overboard because remember that extra piece about Arlette? She's extra. (laughs) So I'm always having these bags in. So um, I give Q-tips. I give first aid kits. I give lint um, rollers. I give tie bags. I give hair products. I give uh, mirrors. I give little purses. I give mints, gum, everything (laughs) that can help you. The whole survival kit. Right. To help you feel confident. Mm -hmm. Because these things will help you feel confident. Mm -hmm. No one would say your breath smells Mm -hmm. or no one would talk behind their back about saying, oh, she doesn't smell so fresh. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And this helps parents because sometimes parents are so inundated with the day to day. Mm -hmm. They don't even know that their children are out there wearing the same shirt for a week. Mm -hmm. You know, so we we touch on hygiene. Mm -hmm. We touch on all little aspects of confidence and self-confidence and so that they could um, engage and just navigate through life easier. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up maybe 10 items in each bag. And so the last one had 75 girls. Mm. So when I say tithing... That's tithing. So when people talk about me and my business and my prices, and I ask them, who pours into your girls? Any of the other Mm -hmm. hairstylists pour Mm -hmm. into your girls? This is my gift bag, you know? Mm -hmm. How I do it, Afia, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Mm. Because I am not, I don't have that much money. Well, well there, there, this sounds like a divine intervention. I'm just even thinking about um, how this sounds very similar to um, a West African rites of passage program for girls right. in traditional African societies. That girls, once they started their period or you know started menses, that they would be taken away out of their homes and trained by women who were experts in womanhood. And so basically, these girls would be taught about food, clothing, shelter, all these different things and how to take care of themselves. And unfortunately, one of the things that we've lost during um, our enslavement and even you know, living in American society and culture, we, ha- we have not developed programming that um, basically develops girls into womanhood. And it sounds like you've created a program here the that village. follows that. Yeah, mm-hmm. the village. Yeah. The village raises the kids. Exactly. You know, um, one of the other things, one of the most important um, aspects about My Hair is Beautiful is I have mentors. Mm. So the mentors, I find them in my chair. I find them, like if I see young girls opening up their own business, I ask them to come and talk to the girls. But when they inspiring and empowering these girls, they have to do it with adversity. Mm. So they have to talk about a bad time mm. because everything is not. You twinkle, click your heels three times. <laughs> nope. You know, when you went to school, they, mm-hmm. I'm sure you faced adversity. I did. So I don't want young girls to go through life thinking that if they box check, mm-hmm. mommy wants me to go to school and make the straight A's, I can do that, as Michelle Obama said. Mm-hmm. Um, be a lawyer, I can do that. I can do that and think that there's nothing is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, about that fine guy that's mm-hmm. going to come around. <laughs> Girl, you know about that guy that's going to come around after you smelling all good and your breath smells good. You know, I do 18-year-olds, too. I'm not talking about the 5 to 7. I'm talking about the 18s. We split them up, okay? But I, we do talk about that. You know, that guy is going to come around and he's going to 
give you all of the confidence that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may stray Mm -hmm. and it makes your life harder. Um, In my case, I was a mom at 19, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've had my elders tell me I ruined my life. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, like, I, I mean, from a young age, I was saying, how could you tell a young girl? Mm. That given life mm. will ruin your life. Mm. Like, that's the greatest thing you're going to ever do in your whole life. Mm. You know what I mean? So instead of saying, all right, this, you're doing this young. And the village, again, will help you. Mm. Because what is it that you want to do? Mm. You know what I mean? And how can we help you do it instead of setting you aside and ostracizing you and making you feel bad? And then that struggle is not just an everyday struggle. It's a physical struggle. It's an emotional struggle. It's a mental Mm. struggle. It's a self-esteem struggle because you pushing this baby and you're 19. And this is just how I felt, you know. But... Me fighting through, I used my baby as my teacher. She mm-hmm. taught me she's going to be here. She's, she's 37, <laughs> and she's going to be here. And I'm telling you, wherever I go, she, she travels, she drove here. Mm-hmm. But my, I'm so proud of my children. I'm so proud of my journey. Mm-hmm. And that's why I give back to young girls, mm-hmm. because I don't want them to feel like nobody cares. Yes. You know you know that auntie? Mm-hmm. Your auntie is supposed to be... The one between your mom and a friend, Mm -hmm. right? So you're supposed to be able to go to her auntie and say something and she give you some encouragement, but also say, you know, you're going to have to get this straight and you're going to have to get this together and be completely honest, you know what I mean? But in a loving way, you know, hey girl, you look cute, but you don't smell so hot, you know? I'm just kidding. But in the sense, that's what I'm talking about. Like we were saying earlier about community. Mm -hmm. Even here, these girls, these young ladies, I'm sure they're younger than me, but I love them. (laughs) They're my nieces. I don't know all of their names, but I know that they call me auntie. You know what I mean? Because if they can ask me anything about this hair game, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell them honestly, Mm -hmm. because I struggled. Mm -hmm. I've raised my children. But that's why My Hair is Beautiful has come about. So I want to be responsible to my community and let young girls know that just because you strayed don't mean you cannot be great. You know, they told me I had a big mouth. I don't need a microphone to talk Mm -hmm. now. And I speak to children Mm -hmm. and I speak to adults. You know what I mean? And people come up and I love your energy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, because... We have to understand what we say, words that we say. We can't tell girls that they're bossy. We have to tell them that they're leaders. We can't tell them that they're nosy. We have to say inquisitive because nosy and bossy has a negative connotation to it. And they internalize that. So when they grow up and somebody says bossy to them, it'll go into their internal and they will become... um, confrontational, I was Mm. called, but I am. Um, (laughs) That's another piece. You have to own yourself. You got to know who you are and how you feel and be able to express that. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's a big responsibility, Mm -hmm. but I'm here for it. (laughs) Well, well, Auntie, this, this was beautiful. I could see that you have really used the power of your words to heal people and the power of your hands, too, in terms of creating such beautiful styles. You you. have really 
created a holistic approach towards helping people really see who they are and the beauty within them. That's why when so, I heard you, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to connect her. <laughs> so when you said, I'm going to give a, uh, what did you say? I don't shameless, even know what I said. A shameless, oh, shameless plug. plug. I was okay. like, she. That's, I'm going right to her and give myself a shameless plug <laughs> because I think psychotherapy is in conjunction with hairstylists, mm. in conjunction with community-minded people, mm. you know, to heal because um, people are really just coping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're really just coping. One of the things I tell the girls, I'm like, your behind is not your face. So when you're on the Instagram, let's not do this. Mm. Let's just okay, show she our did a, face. She did a butt pop. Yeah, the butt, the butt pop. Yeah, let's show our face and yeah. love what it looks mm. like. You know what I mean? It's just who you are. Yeah. Uh, I have one more thing to say. Mm-hmm. So my, my youngest daughter, who's six, I mean, who's 20, when she was six, she took me to Arizona. She's the one that brought me to mm. Arizona. And when she was six, my life was upside down. I was homeless. Mm. And I've made so much money. I've done so many celebrity hair Mm -hmm. videos. I was in magazines and everything. But because of my insecurity, I used my money to buy things. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that whole adage about what they say now, get the bag. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That whole money is going to make you happy. Money just makes you acquire a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And the things don't make you happy and you just acquire a lot of things. So I found myself homeless. Mm -hmm. And when I found myself homeless, I was on the roof Mm. of this building that this old lady, I lived in a room with my youngest daughter. I, I don't really share this, but I'm mm. going to share it because I need to get it off my chest. Okay. okay. So I was on the roof and I was like, I'm worthless. I'm just going to jump. Mm. And so when I got on the roof, I noticed that the ledge underneath, my daughter was in that room. Mm. So I figured if I fell or jumped and I fell and I didn't make it, when they told her the story, She's going to say, my mother's body passed mm. by the room. So I said, I'll let get off this roof. Girl, mm. It's going to be all right. So I did, and I went downstairs, and my parents were looking for me. And my parents, being my father and his wife, because my mom is deceased now, mm. um, she, they were looking for me, and they found me. I, they were calling me, and I answered the phone. I didn't want to answer the phone. So they took Joelle to Arizona, where mm. they live. And she was like, five going on six at the time and I was looking for a school for her and they said all right when you find a school and get yourself together come and get her Mm. well I never wanted anybody to raise my children Mm. you know so she was only there for three weeks (laughs) okay (laughs) all right so I got myself a little together and I decided you know what I'm gonna call my dad I'm gonna get her in school I'm gonna call my dad my dad brought her back Joelle was six years old mind you backstory I homeschooled her Mm. because I was busy in the hair business and the hair industry, so I didn't have time to go and get her, take her to school and go get her. So I homeschooled her so she can read. Mm. So she comes back, and I said, hey, you got an interview for school. And she looked around, and she said, why do we live here, Mm. Brooklyn? Mm -hmm. She says, I don't want to live here, Mommy. Have you seen Arizona? Mm. So I was looking at her like, girl, would you come on? 
I don't want to live here. Why do we live here? She started reading the writing on the wall. I don't want to say the words, but profanity Mm. because she can articulate. And so she was like, I don't know why we live here. Arizona's beautiful. The mountain and the cacti, mommy, it takes 100 years for saguaro cactus. I'm looking at this kid. And she's convincing me Mm. to change my life. You know, so she says, I don't want to live every day. She complained about being in New York. The pigeons had made messes. I don't want to say what. But she pointed out so many things that made me look around and say, why not? You know, so I decided I said, all right, I'm going to shut her up and I'm going to tell her, "Okay, we're going to move to Arizona. She says, when? This was February 16th, 2005. She said, when are we going? I said, "Okay, the end of May we'll be gone. She didn't complain not one more time. Mm. So I knew then that I could not lie to her. Mm. So I started purging all my stuff, and yeah. I started giving my clothes away to people who were in laundry attended. Mm. Little girls, I started giving clothes away because I couldn't take it. So when uh, the end, I called my parents. They got me a ticket. The 1st of June, 05, I landed mm. in Arizona. Um I was broke. Mm. I think I had $100 to my name and I needed to buy some shoes Mm. because I gave all the mine away, Mm. right? And I bought these shoes. I landed June 1st, 2005 in Arizona and my parents were like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to open a salon. Mm. They had no money. I thought they had some money. Mm. (laughs) Because they lived in Scottsdale. They had five bedrooms and they lived on an acre of land. You know, to people, most people, that means you have money. That does not mean to most people on the outside looking in that whatever money you got coming in, you have to maintain your 40 acres in the mule. You know what I mean? But to me, they had money. And I was like, what are we going to do? And they were like, we don't have any money. Mm. So I had to get a job at Bed Bath & Beyond. Mm. And my oldest daughter worked at Bed Bath & Beyond in Maryland. So I got the job at Bed Bath & Beyond and I hated it. But I had my portfolio. Mm. And that's why I tell people, establish yourself as an expert. Because I had a portfolio that showed my work and all of my um, published work. Because that made me an expert. Mm -hmm. So when I showed my work, I got clients. Mm. So all I needed was a place. So they took me to the salon suites where I'm still there for 14 years. And the owner of the salon suites loved me. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know if maybe it was because I was a black woman and I was insisting on opening up a business. And he got me connected. I started Hairlocks by Arlette with consultations. That's why I'm saying this is passionate. Yeah. This is something that is proven. You know, I'm not talking just to be talking. And it changed my whole mm-hmm. life. Being there, you know, um, quality of life, um, it made me reintroduce myself to myself. And that's where all my healing began. And that's when I started to say, hey, well, if I got it, I have to give it back. Yeah. So that's when my hair is beautiful is born in hair locks by I'm so happy to have unleashed that. Um, yeah. Dr. Fear, you don't know what you have done for me today. I'm telling you. This this was an extremely powerful story. No, it's it spoke to your purpose, right? In terms of understanding the relationship between your pain and your purpose. Right. But you were really able to make a decision in those moments. Um, 
to do more and to heal yourself. And even through your daughter leading you that way. I have Did three you? children. Yeah. I have three children. I have two girls and a boy. Mm. And I have a granddaughter. They're all grown. My granddaughter's 18. Mm. So everybody is grown. When I received the Master Pioneer Award mm. in 2015, it was the greatest day in my life mm. because that was the day that my children saw me be appreciated mm. for what I did to raise them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it is, it, it's this whole, life is remarkable. Mm. Even when it's bad, it's good. You know what I mean? Even when it's bad, it's good. Because when you ask God for whatever you ask him for, you think he's just going to give it to you? You're not ready. <laughs> you gotta, he got to get you ready. So he got to take you through some <laughs> stuff. He going to drag you. He wants to make sure that when he give you that blessing, that you're going to stand up and you're going to respect it and you're going to take it for what it's worth and you're going to be responsible no matter what. Do you know how long it's been since I wanted to have an interview that got on NPR about this work and then meeting you? I already knew. That's why I was, you see me standing by you. I'm standing by you. I don't care when we were going to do this interview, but we was going to do it because it's a part of the process of healing. Mm. And if I could do that through hair, okay. Mm. I'm in, you know. Mm. Why it was important for me to stand up and say what I said mm. at the time because I need help doing this work. I need help. I need for people to understand this work like they understand Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to share mm-hmm. on Instagram all the little secrets, how you do this and how you do that. Share this work. Mm-hmm. Share pouring into some children yeah. so that they're not misled. You know what I mean? And they're not just trying to, you know, I mean, there's great stories. There's Cardi B's great story. But do you want to raise Cardi B's? Like, I mean, there's all kinds of things to be. Yeah. I'm not saying that's bad because it's good for her. Yeah. You know, but you have to start something and recognize what's in your child. That's mm-hmm. another piece that I try to um, get parents to understand. Know if your child is a creative mm-hmm. or an academic. Mm-hmm. Because or both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. Or both. Yeah. Because an academic... A creative, you're not going to get them to learn academically the same way. It's a different way of learning. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's a whole different thing. And so many people grow up checking boxes, and that's not what they want to do. They end up. How many people in this industry are doctors and lawyers, and they end up hairstylists? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because a hairstylist is a doctor Mm -hmm. and a lawyer, all wrapped up in one. (laughs) Both. <laughs> All right. Well, you have dropped so many gems, so much information. How do people get in contact with you? How can they keep up to date with their projects? Okay, so at Hairlocks on any kind of social media platform, hairlocksbiolet.com is my website. Um, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not great at it. My thumbs don't move that fast. You know what I mean? That's why I say I need help because yeah. I'm a talker. Yeah. You know. So I'm, it sounds like you need a social media intern. You need. I do. Okay, I okay. do. Okay, we I can get do. you one of those. I need. I need. I need. <laughs> because this is this is a lot. 
this is a lot. Yes. It and is. it takes a lot to bring it forward. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot. It takes a village. It takes a team. It takes everything. And I just wanted to see everybody heal. That's mm-hmm. the one thing when my clients come to my, my salon, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad. I don't even think they come to get their hair done, honestly. Mm-hmm. I have this one more story. I have this lady. I love her. I love her. When she I, when she's on my schedule, I can't wait to get to the salon. Mm-hmm. We had these conversations. She's she's a woman of means. Um, she always telling me, you, you're not getting paid your worth right now. Blah, blah, blah. You know what she bought me for a gift? Hmm. A Neverfull. Wait. The Louis Vuitton big Oh, whoa. (laughs) You know, and what she said was, this is, this just represents what you do for me when I come Mm. here. You know what I mean? And Mm. I'm like, I was just, I cried. I jumped up and down. But then it wasn't even about the bag. When I looked at her, I said, you thought this much of me oh, yeah. to buy me this? You know, I wanted it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a dope shopping bag. But I wasn't going to buy it for myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just wasn't going to do that for myself. But she bought it. But that's why I said this work is so important. Mm-hmm. Because um, what you do for people... Just being a genuine person. That's it. A woman of integrity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Doing the right thing when nobody is looking. You know, giving back. Um, I say, this is my motto, and I want everybody to know this. You're chasing the wrong bag. It's Mm -hmm. not about the finances. It's definitely about what you give to people Mm -hmm. and how they give it back to you. That's the bag. Mm -hmm. That's the bad. That's the the ultimate um, um, repayment for life Mm -hmm. for someone to say, hey, what do you need? Somebody gave me a website. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I do this for the community. That's Mm -hmm. the bag. Mm -hmm. Right? Would you agree? Yes, I do. Would you all agree? (laughs) That's the bad, girl. So the money sometimes, you know, the money is good. Like, don't work for free. (laughs) <laughs> but still do, you know, work of integrity for people. Be honest, be responsible, be reliable, you know, be transparent. Share. Thank you. So so the, yeah, you're doing psychotherapy. This is the work that you are doing this healing work through hair. And so if you want to follow more about psychotherapy, you could go to our website, psychotherapy.org or Instagram handle at psychotherapy and of course if you love this podcast and i know you do send it to the person who really needs to hear it to understand what the bag really is to understand the work that we need to do for our black girls and children to build self-esteem and confidence to heal ourselves and so thank you so much for joining me and in closing let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots thank you so much oh my gosh that's so dope